Hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Corbett's Corner is back on a Monday with a ton to get to. Yes, we are back. Exciting episode. At the end of this, uh, we are going to be talking with Coach Ben Woolenzine, head coach of TGU football up in Towner, North Dakota. A uh, little background. Yeah, so I was obviously uh, a radio sports broadcaster uh, out of college, went up to small town, North Dakota, worked there for just under a year and really uh, got to really learn about football from Coach Woolensey and getting the chance to uh, cover every one of his games and interview him on a weekly basis. And we still keep in touch to this day. So really great interview. We talked to him about his coaching over two decades uh, as a coach, right, uh, of the storied TGU football program. So uh, excited to have you all hear that and get some insight on not only his career, but also uh, his lifelong Husker football fandom and what he thinks about the current state of the program under Scott Frost. So that's coming up this episode. Excited to talk to Coach Woolensey. But let's start with NFL football. The Rams are winless with OBJ. The curse of OBJ is going to kill my Matt Stafford MVP future. He's going to kill the Rams chances of doing anything this year winless even out of the bye they couldn't do anything Packers are legit my goodness keep an eye out for Rodgers sneaking up you know he's all of a sudden people are not liking him oh he's an anti-vaxxer he misses a game and lo and behold he is still leading his team to win after win uh they're a cover machine this year and the numbers are looking good he did miss a game but uh interceptions are low touchdowns are high he is winning big games and they may very well represent the nfc once again for a second straight year could that mean rogers hoist the mvp for a second straight year pats everyone loves the patriots this year i'm still not sold on them they still have i i mean i'm sold on them being a good team i don't know if i'm ready to crown them afc champs yet uh they've got the bills on monday night football and still two games against the bills remaining in that division they might not even win the division still Bills bounce back in a big way. People might have forgot because it was on Thanksgiving, the late game. Everyone's, uh, you know, passed down from too much wine by the time that game ended, right? Pats are undefeated on the road, 5-0. and Mac Jones is the best completion percentage in the league, but that's the Patriots' MO. Dink, dunk. Uh, he does look good, and he's a rookie quarterback. He certainly looks loads ahead better of everyone and way more progressed. Uh, in terms of just figuring out NFL defenses a little bit under Belichick and McDaniel's tutelage. Um, but again, we're, we're going to have a rookie win the uh, Super Bowl here. I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, the Pats still do have an interesting road left, a pretty tough schedule. We'll see. But of course, they route the Titans, who are all of a sudden going back down without Derrick Henry. Uh, Tannehill does not look like the quarterback that they gave all that money to because Den, uh, Derrick Henry is not in his uh, backfield. Uh, Vikings, Falcons, Eagles, the Washington football team, which goes tonight. And how about the 49ers have ripped off three straight? They just beat the Vikings. Vikings were injury decimated, though. Um, and they found a way to lose a one-score game once again. Uh, but that those those are going to be the teams battling for spots six and seven. It's just, you know, remember we add the extra playoff team, and it's just mush getting there. We've got the extra game, too, 17-game season. Uh, can't believe the Falcons are finding a way in it. They played just a sleepy game in Jacksonville and ended up winning. They've got the Bucs this week. They got blown out by the Bucs. Do they maybe, as the Bucs are playing closer games, looking a little bit more vulnerable, can the Falcons get to 500, maybe be that last playoff team by clipping the Buccaneers? I always like to think division games, people – it usually goes 1-1 split, but then again, you look at the Bengals and the Steelers, and the Steelers got blown out twice by the team from Cincinnati. 
So the NFL's just been as crazy as ever. I just still think it's kind of like too early to tell, but then also you still kind of rely on the Bucks and the Bills, at least I am, as uh, my prediction so far. The AFC standings could still shake out so many different ways because uh, you've got two of the best teams in the AFC battling in the same division. So no matter what, whoever's going to finish second in the AFC East is no matter what going to be a five, six, or seven seed, right? Probably a five seed based on record, but they're not going to get a home game because they didn't win their division. So that is obviously what people are kind of keeping an eye on and still two games left between the Pats and Bills. Game one this season will be Monday night football this week. So I'm jacked about that. The NFL just uh, been crazy. Um, so yeah, the Rams... They've got a brutal schedule, and the OBJ curse is real. Are they going to free fall now that the 49ers are looking like a little bit more of themselves, a little bit better team now? Um, I don't know. That's interesting. Packs, uh, the Pack and the Bucks, excuse me, the Packers and the Bucks are going to fight for that one seed, I think. The Packers just keep on winning. They have been in the NFC title game back to back years. The Bucks, uh, big time win come from behind fashion against the Colts. Leonard Fournette goes off for four total touchdowns. It was crazy. Hope you had him in fantasy. And um, yeah, the Bucks are legit, it, right? It's a crap division. The Falcons are in second place right now in the NFC South. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of hoping as a fan, right? This Falcons game this weekend, that could totally easily be a Bucks blowout. Um, and again, the Saints look terrible now with Trevor Simeon at quarterback and Carolina is just a disaster. That can't everyone Cam Newton, it's just like Anthony Edwards. So Cam Newton gets a touchdown. He trends on social media forever, even though whenever he plays bad, it's just crickets. You know, Anthony Edwards has a dunk, and that's all we talk about all night. And then he loses to the Hornets, looks terrible, and then it's just crickets from everyone. Um, but then social media, social media just loves their guys. It's all about clicks. Um, and usually it's highlight plays, right? That's why Cam Newton, when he uh, is a six-five quarterback bulldozing into the end zone, that gets a lot of viewers, a lot of eyes. Anthony Edwards putting down a windmill with no one around is going to get some eyes to a game otherwise that not too many people are watching Tim Rule's basketball on the reg, right? Um, and, and Cam all about the highlights. Um, but MVP race, watch out for Rodgers to go back to back, as I was alluding to earlier. Here's how uh, this might not be, again, there's, you're going to find different odds at different spots, but here's where I saw the current MVP odds. First, my update. Stafford OBJ's killing him. Look at the, he's, he got the touchdown last night, but too many targets and not a, enough receptions in that category, right? He's not, they're forcing it to OBJ. It was a problem in New York. It was a problem in Cleveland and it's early on looking like a problem in LA. Uh, but thank goodness LeBron brought him to LA, right? I still like Stafford. I still like Brady. And now I'm throwing Rodgers in there as my top three for MVP. Uh, here is how the place I found the odds currently lists the MVP. Brady at 225. Um, plus 225. Brady is currently the chalkiest, so to speak, on this book I was looking at. Josh Allen, second. Huh? I mean, I guess if he... Uh, wins the division, but he, he hasn't been playing well lately. I, I think, I don't know why you would put him at second right now. That doesn't make much sense to me. Rodgers, again, he's third. That's showing you. He's making a move. Rodgers, I think, plus 550. If I didn't have Stafford tickets, I might be looking at that right now. Mahomes is going to put up numbers. Chiefs are winning games now. He's at plus 900, currently fourth on the board uh, at this spot for MVP I looked at. And then Prescott, Dak, Kyler, and Stafford are all at 1,200, 12 to 1. So Stafford's slipping, obviously, uh, as he was 5 to 1 a couple of weeks ago when I grabbed him. And then they've got rounding it out Lamar Jackson. Huh? 
Look at the game he just tossed out last night. I'm sorry. No, I know the rushing yards and the touchdowns are there, but no, he's too far out for me, even though the Raiders, uh, Raiders, the Ravens are on top of their division. That division is still, I think, wide open um, in the AFC North. Everyone kind of is mushing right there. But uh, if you want to throw Lamar Jackson because of the rushing numbers, maybe interesting here, Jonathan Taylor running away with the rushing title right now. He leads the league in rushing touchdowns with 14. And he is at 16 to one with Justin Herbert. Herbert's, you know, they just threw a dud out there. I don't even think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. Herbert still maybe a year away from kind of taking the entire NFL by storm. He's got the talent. We see it. But in terms of MVP, maybe still just a year away. Um, So those are the current odds. Interesting. I still like Stafford, Brady and Rogers. But in terms of momentum, Aaron Rodgers is certainly on the way up. Um, Let's talk a little NBA still too close to call as we're kind of in 20 games into the season. The East is um, with some improved teams, but still everyone's just kind of condensed together. Uh, The West is a little bit more top heavy, so to speak. You're kind of seeing taking shape. The Pelicans rockets are terrible, et cetera. Um, In terms of the Eastern conference it's kind of like the magic and the Pistons not really doing anything thunder in the West or, going to take out some good teams on a given night and then get blown out on a different night. Um, but here's the teams we know that are good. The Warriors, Steph, they're going to get clay back. They're at the top of the Western Conference. Warriors are good. Steph's obviously done it before, um, even without KD. The Suns, 16 straight winners for the Suns. They had the easy road to the finals last year where they coughed up a 2 nothing lead. Uh, looks like they're still hungry. They still got the, they're running it back, right? CP three book and Deandre Aiden bucks are all of a sudden winners of six or seven straight in a row. They did have a little bit of that hangover, but now they're right back in it. And they, you know, it's them and the nets for the East, the heat with Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler hero back to, uh, looking like the guy we saw in the bubble heat bucks nets. We know are good. Bulls, nice story. Yes, I, I will admit I was wrong because I didn't think they're a playoff team. They're going to be a playoff team because there's 10 teams fighting for it now in the NBA with this play-in tournament. But five and five over their last 10, they're starting to come back down to earth a little bit. DeRozan was looking like an all-NBA player. Now he's looking a little bit more like an all-star. Levine has sort of outplayed him a little bit. They're going to need everyone to click on all cylinders for them to be at the top of the East. I think they're going to be like the Knicks. They're going to be a playoff team, maybe a 4-5. Do they get bounced in the first round? Do they maybe make a run like the Hawks? I don't know. Still too early to call. We shall see. Um, Let's talk Timberwolves. How about this? 10-10. and They're the same team. I mean, get a, here's where I'd like to see what they could do anything because they've lost against good teams and then they've run through like the Kings, the Grizzlies, and then they do have wins over like the Bucks, and then that's the 76ers. But, but I thought they were going to beat the 76ers regardless. Ant Edwards has improved in terms of scoring, but he's still the same player. He's a scorer. He's a dunker. He's just not very efficient. Turnovers way up. That's got to be... Uh, something that is not uh, enjoyable for Ant fans. But uh, the scoring is up, the rebounds tick up. Like, he has improved the shooting percentages. That's good. He's still not a great defender. He's fine. Um, Lamelo's still better. He's more efficient. He's not worried about the dunks. He's not. He's only. He's averaging 20 points per game. Edwards is averaging 22 points per game. But he's got more rebounds than Edwards. Uh, he's got way more assists than Edwards. 
and he's a way better, more efficient player than Edwards. He's a better player. That's just how it is. The Hornets are a better team because of Lamella Ball. That was a worse roster last year, and they were still better. That was a worse roster, arguably, this year. I mean, D'Lo and Cat, right? Depends how much you root for them. But these are two similar teams, and clearly Lamella is taking one team to the next height, and Anthony Edwards has improved them to a 500 team at this point. But again, we'll see how they do in December because that is going to be – uh, I was looking at their schedule. You're going to face a tough opponent night in and night out. Uh, you're not going to have this stretch where it's the Pelicans, Kings, Grizzlies in a row, and you might rip off some. But we shall see. I'd gladly eat crow if they make it out of December. Um, still at 500, right? I, I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening, but that is just my a, uh, opinion. Lamelo is also shooting 90% from the free throw line. Crazy. I mean, that's. I don't think you'll keep it up. But that's just it, he does the little things. He does the little things. I like I like flashy passing. I like a guy looking more for the passing than rather taking 21 shots to score 19 points, but making sure that I get to my 19, 20 points per game because that's what you know Anthony Edwards thinks that scoring makes him a better player. I'm looking a little bit more outside of just dunks uh, on Sports Center. Um, let's talk a little college basketball again speaking of way too early I don't really have a read on many of the teams watching sporadic games here some good games there showcases um, you know Duke looks great but what, what do I know I mean it's still so early Gonzaga I think it's actually good that they got clipped you know now they don't have undefeated kind of hanging over them um, the, you know Wisconsin into the top 25 that was my one future it was 100 to 1 um, and now they're at 95 to 1 because they beat uh, Houston, which is a big win, beat St. Mary's. They beat AM. Eh, nice. You'll also lose to Providence. Uh, Matthew Moore is a guy I was looking forward to seeing this year, the freshman. He redshirted, so he's not even playing this year, but um, it's a loaded Big Ten. Not really sure how they're going to do. I think, again, you're looking at that kind of six, seven, eight, nine seed for Wisconsin, and let's see if they can make a run there. That's a dangerous spot to make a run, especially for a Power Five team with uh, a decorated legacy. Uh, Davis, Johnny Davis, electric 20 plus points per game. Davison has been fine. You know, he's just one of those leader guys, 13 points per game, does everything. So, yeah, 101 to 95 to 1. Nice. All right. Improvement. We'll see if they can keep it up. Um, last thing on the NFL, I forgot. Let's talk some running backs uh, because it just broke literally in the last hour. Christian McCaffrey, done for the year. Don't like seeing guys injured. I mean, that's a violent sport, the most violent position. Cook, Dalvin Cook injured again. Saquon still stinks. Don't pay running backs. Don't do it. Stop it. Jonathan Taylor, nice. You got him on a rookie deal. Let him walk. Get the next Taylor. Okay. I don't want to, don't pay running backs. Saquon's going to be out of the league in a couple of years. C Mac as well. Shit, I wouldn't be shocked for Dalvin Cook. It's just how the league goes. Unfortunately, don't pay running backs because that is just an injury. Not even prone. It's like an injury proven position. Look at this dude. Uh, I picked up Hilliard for Tennessee. He rips off 120, a huge run. You know, those are the guys, just plug and play guys at running back. Speed. Don't lock in money there. That's an expendable position, unfortunately, but that's how the sport goes. Let's talk baseball because it's been a surprisingly active. MLB hot stove, right? The offseason free agency is uh, heating up because the Mets and Steve Cohen are spending. Does Steve Cohen know what he's doing, or is he just a Mets fan playing with toys? Um, you know, he gives out a ton of money for Scherzer. I wanted Scherzer in a Cardinals uniform. Maybe not for that much money, but I think he's going to do good stuff for the Mets. I mean, Scherzer and DeGrom in the same rotation. I mean, I guess the same thing as Scherzer and Strasburg, but that is going to be nasty. That's going to pay him. 
40 plus mil for the next three years until he's 41. I mean, it is Scherzer. He's a Hall of Famer, so we'll see. You know, he helps every team he goes to. He still puts up numbers. Starling Marte, four years. They dump money. Eduardo Escobar, two years. And they wanted Steven Matz. Like, you know, I think Steve Cohen's just firing darts in his expensive office, just saying, give me that guy. Give me that guy. I don't care. Here's my checkbook. I'm a Wall Street guy. Um, he was pretty pissed that Steven Matz chose the Cardinals. I don't know what happened there. I mean, it's. You know, business, it's seedy. You got agents talking on the phone to four different people, giving assurances here, assurances there. I mean, welcome to the game, Steve Cohen. Um, I would, Steven Matz, the Cardinals, four years, 44 million. I don't know if it's just, I'm kind of thinking Mike Leak. I'm still, we're still trotting out Miles Michaelis uh, after big money. Like we haven't really, we trade for J.A. Happ and Lester and Wade LeBlanc. We have John Lackey, who, of course, was actually a good trade acquisition at the deadline back in the day. But we're, we're you know, give us we're more Flaherty's. I Give me a Flaherty. I, I understand we have to draft these guys. I t- put this out on Twitter. We released Nick Plummer, who was our for- former first round pick in 2015. You know, who we drafted him right in front of Walker Bueller. You think we could have had him in this rotation? Good Lord, who whiffed on that pick? And now Plummer's guess where? in the New York Mets uniform going, just goes, who's that? He, he was a former first rounder. All right. Yeah. Give me him. Here's half a mil sign him too. Um, you know, God Cardinals, what we got a new manager? Uh, you know, here's the rotation. It's, it's Wayno Flaherty and now Matt's, uh, Michaelis and then freaking Jake Woodford is, you know, I hope it's going to be good. He's another high round pick, but who knows? I mean, that doesn't really scare anyone. I like wayno has been having a renaissance kind of finish aging like a fine wine to his career. But Lord, what you know, we're just basically saying run it back and then we'll probably bring on some crap veterans at the trade deadline and do nothing again. Um, yeah, Stephen Matz doesn't move the needle for me. You know why? Because I don't like giving Matz. I like giving out flyers. You know, maybe a guy had a poor year. You take a flyer on him. I don't like Matz, who got a flyer right from the Blue Jays, had a great year. Then I don't want to be like, okay, great year. Here's $44 million and then watch him underperform his contract. Like, what the hell are the Rangers doing? I love Marcus Simeon. I don't love paying him $175 million over the next seven years until he's 38 coming off a great year, right? Great year. Blue Jays taking another flyer. Simeon watch him walk. I think the Rangers drastically overpaid Simeon. Maybe has a great first year. I think that contract is going to look ugly in the few years to come. Maybe not seven. Um, Shohei Otani, my favorite baseball player wins the MVP unanimously first place votes, a hundred percent of them. Uh, 46 bombs. He's hitting. He's throwing 100 miles per hour. He's got the ERA. He's got strikeout nasty stuff. He's the Japanese Babe Ruth. It's we didn't get to see Babe Ruth. We we've got a folk tale of him pointing and hitting a home run. We're seeing this guy pitch and hit home runs. I love watching him play. I wish he wasn't on the Angels. He is under contract for two more years and then potentially becomes a free agent. Uh, no one's watching Angels games. I mean, they've failed Mike Trout. They are currently failing Otani. Otani is the greatest thing we have ever seen in baseball. Um, man, I, I want him. I want him on my team. I want him in the Cardinal uniform. I want to see more of them. Get him more national games. 
Uh, Otani wins the AL MVP. Bryce Harper, which I also predicted earlier on, uh, wins the NL MVP. Nice for Bryce. Still doesn't have that World Series. Remember, as soon as he left Washington, they won the title. Philly, I still think, has not made the playoffs since he signed there, but Harper gets the hardware. Uh, he did have a great year. Girardi, you know, Atlanta wins the title. We cash that future. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to – are they resigning Freddie Freeman? They had most of their roster from the trade deadline. So it's like the Braves are just going to have to uh, – they're going to have to fight again, right, to compete in that division now that the Mets kind of see blood in the water and they want to start spending. The Marlins and the Marlins, they just dump money to Abisail Garcia. Huh? Nice one, Jeter. I don't really think that that's going to be the answer for Miami. Um, and then there's Philly with Joe Girardi still just kind of uh, playing 500 baseball and missing the postseason. Uh, but the MLB hot, spots, hot stove, a nice kind of refreshing uh, change of pace as things are uh, like deals are flying off the shelves. How about that? Scherzer to the Mets. That was the big one today. How about Lincoln Riley to USC? Unbelievable. Uh, he says, I am definitely not going to be the LSU coach. Well, he wasn't wrong because he's definitely going to be the USC coach. He just landed smart move by him. Don't have to go compete in the sec. You go from Norman, Oklahoma to LA and you go to a spot that is the king of college football. If you could turn it around, you're the top of the game. Then you turn to Pete Carroll. You go to the NFL, a uh, great career move for Lincoln Riley. Uh, I know it's, you know, it's cold cut business. It's unfortunate. That's what college football is now that there's so much money pouring in. Now the players are getting paid to the players of the transfer portal. So the coaches are viewing this as cold cut business too. And Lincoln Riley's landing in USC after losing a game in Bedlam and just saying, see ya. It's cold. It's hard, cold hearted. It's kind of uh, mercenary esque. It's more business CEOs. Now Saban's a CEO running a company. Um, you know, these players are more employees now than kind of just, you know, football players. It's more of a cold cut business now. And we'll talk more with Coach Wollenzine about how he feels about that coming up here in just a couple minutes. But first, some BC thoughts. Jeff Halfley has been, he was reported as USC's fallback option. I would, that scares me. You know, people respect Halfley in the industry, in the nation. Washington is still looking at him, but he has said he's staying to BC. Great. Love to take his word. He looks like a guy that I should be taking his word, but you never know. <laughs> you could be Lincoln Riley. Halfley said, I do not plan on leaving for a long time. Great. What if plans change? Uh, you know, so I, I always, I love Halfley. Again, it's a six and six disappointing loss, but the team was so injured. Our quarterback uh, is throwing with an injured wrist. We've got players returning. Jaden Woodby said he's coming back. He was a transfer from Florida State. Had a pretty solid year. He was injured, um, but he was a pretty solid kind of anchor for this defense from that safety spot. He just announced he's coming back. I think everyone runs it back, and we have a special season in store for Chestnut Hill. I thought the same this year. Injuries hurt that, and we had a disappointing 6-6. Six and six, But let's see if we could get a nice bowl in there. The first bowl performance we're actually going to play under Halfley. We were the first team to opt out. Uh, for the coronavirus last year, which I thought was a nice move by Halfley and company as well. Um, yeah, so are we going to get Jurkovic back? Is he going to be healthy? Are we going to get, say, Flowers back, run it back for the senior year? Uh, I would love it. And I think uh, Jaden Large would be coming back is the first domino to possibly having that happen. Um, so, again, disappointing end, injury. Looking forward to next year. we got a great recruiting class coming in uh, in Jeff Halfley. 
I trust. Hashtag get in. Heisman predictions. I still like Bryce Young. Thank goodness. Uh, I wouldn't have liked it if he lost, but CJ Stroud loses. He's not going to get the chance to play in a bowl game. So I think that's going to hurt him because we're going to obviously keep our eyes on Bryce Young. Kenny Pickett's going to have a bowl game as Pittsburgh represents ACC against uh, Wake Forest. So Kenny Pickett is my third guy right now because he's got more touchdowns than Bryce Young, but he's got more picks. Uh, He's got more yards, but Bryce Young is doing more and obviously has the one-loss team where Pitt's a two-loss team and Pitt's not going to have really a stage uh, in the college football playoff. Keep an eye on this guy, Bailey Zapp. Bailey Zappy, not quite sure, but he's a Houston Baptist transfer, went to Western Kentucky. This dude's over 5,000 yards. He still could potentially break the NCAA record for passing yards and touchdowns. Uh, Joe Burrow's got the touchdown record. I always remember Colt Brennan, but I think uh, he doesn't really have the passing yards. He needs 900 yards and I believe something like eight touchdowns, eight passing touchdowns to break both records. Oh, yeah, and he's playing on Saturday because he'll face UTSA in the conference title game. (laughs) So he's my fourth guy. Uh, You know, he's got all these numbers because he's playing in a weaker conference and he's thrown about 100 more passes than everyone else. Um, But... The numbers speak for itself. You know, it's crazy what this guy is doing. He's my fourth guy right now. I wonder if maybe he takes C.J. Stroud's seat because we've got three guys playing uh, this week and C.J. Stroud is not one of them. Those are my Heisman predictions. How about this? Is Cincy going to get screwed? They're undefeated. They play this weekend. Can they get by Houston, who lost game one to Texas Tech and then ripped off the last 11? Hey, good for Dana Holgerson and that company. Houston, no one talked about them. They could stun Cincinnati this week. I wouldn't be shocked. That line looks a little large for me. Houston, they lost to Texas Tech. Texas Tech was no slouch. I know they fired their coach, but they still clipped some teams, competed against others. Um, Cincy, watch out if you take care of business, but in Oklahoma State, who just beat Oklahoma, if they beat Baylor, watch out. Bama beats Georgia. I don't know. Things are crazy. How about Michigan against Iowa? Are they going to lay an egg? That's a pretty steep line as well. I don't know. Conference championship weekend is going to be crazy. Uh, Good to be back. Corbett's Corner here on a Monday. We're not done yet, though. Let's talk with Coach Ben Woolenzine, head football coach of the TGU Titans, an old friend and colleague up from North Dakota. Let's get some insight on his career in coaching, the Husker football program direction under Scott Frost, his Husker fandom, right, the glory days, and much more as we talk the coaching carousel and overall college football with Coach Woolenzine right here. Well, this is super special. I think my first interview in the workforce out of college was with this guy right here. This is Coach Ben Woolenzine, uh, head coach of TGU football up in North Dakota. Ben, it's been too long. Uh, first, a little bit about yourself for the audience and how you got into coaching. Well, I, uh, I grew up in Lisbon, North Dakota, and, uh, and graduated from there in 1992. Um, went to college at Concordia for a year. Um, didn't like it. Um, decided to go back to Valley State State, um, played some football there for, for three years, three, four years, and, and um, went into teaching and uh, with, the, with the intent to, of, of getting into football coaching. And, and um, I applied for a job in Towner in late July, and, and uh, I guess I was going to be here for a year or two, and now I'm in year number 25. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had 24 on the sideline at TGU and, and uh, really enjoying it. 
Yeah, and you started, I mean, you've been with the program for now a couple of decades, right? And you started uh, working your way up as an assistant and eventually taking over as the head reins. Right. I started as an assistant in 1998 under Scott Thorson, um, who, had, who had taken over, who had served as an assistant under Harry Ranke um, from the early 90s till 1998. And then um, from 98 to 2016, I was with Scott um, as his as one of his guys. And, and so 19 years, I, I was an assistant and then um, just finished my fifth year as the head coach. And I got to see you in a couple of those inaugural years uh, up in Towner. Uh, so it's been yeah. cool to kind of watch you grow as a coach. What characteristics in your mind, and I've been loving picking your brain, you know, over the years, yeah. uh, but for the audience, what characteristics do you think make a good football coach? Um, one, you know, I think you have to have thick skin. Um, you have to be great at building relationships. Um, and you have to show those kids that you love them. And, um, you know, show them that you um, care about them more as a person than you do as a football player. And um, I think that that's that's one thing, you know, and also you need you need to know about the game, obviously. But but uh, but that's that's always been our goal here is to send out kids that are, you know, top notch people and they're going to be good husbands and fathers and 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 men in, in and then in society and, and um, you know, if they get to play football beyond TGU, that's great. And, you know, we've had our sh- fair share of that, but, right. but, you know, uh, as long as they're good people, that's, that's what our, that's what our thing is. Yeah. That's the right way to do it. I agree. Yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges you face on a year in year out basis? Well, you know, um, small town, North Dakota, right. I mean, you, you, you don't know, um, from year to year, budget wise, what, you know, what, what can I afford to get this year? Am I going to have to skim to get by? Um, you know, regions are constantly flopping and flipping. You've got right. teams go, moving up from, from, or down from 11 man down to nine man. Um, you know, you've got people moving from nine man to, to 11 man. You've got different regions, you know, all over the place. One year we're out West, one year we're in the East. It's, it's just, it's just, you just roll with it. And, uh, and, you know, we're in a pretty familiar conference now. Um, This last year we were with St. John, North Prairie, um, Dunseith. um, And boy, who else was in it? Dunseith. So Dunseith, St. John, North Prairie, TGU, there's five of us. So, um, and then we played with a sister region to the East. So uh, now next year, I believe, we lose North Prairie in our region and gain um, West Hope, Newburgh, Glenburn's coming back down from 11, man. So, okay. I mean, so there's, there's always those challenges, you know, getting, getting to know um, some new teams. Um, you know, a few years back, we had a nice, nice looking team. Shaden Luna would have been a senior that year okay. in about 2018 season, 18 season. We, we moved out West and, and we're in with Ray Powers Lake, Divide County, um, you know, Trent and all that, you know, way out that way. So it was, you know, getting familiar with those people and, and their teams and their schemes and whatnot. So it's, it was nice to be back kind of home, you know, where, yeah. where you're used yeah. to the St. John's and the North Prairies and the Dunseys and, and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's cool. It's almost like things out of your control, right? There's always some sort Absolutely. of politics. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, it, and it is what it is. It, you know, we get, you got a team like Botno, right. And, and it's nothing, I'm not, 
not digging on, on coach Keller up there or anything. It's, it's the fact that, you know, they've got way more students say than, than even a rugby rugby mm -hmm. is playing, you know, 11 man, you know, single A Botno hadn't had much success. They're not known for football and they make a run to the, uh, you know, to the semis. And yeah. so yeah. I, I don't know. You, <laughs> it's just things like that, that, right. that, that are, that are never ending. You mentioned the Luna family. That's been uh, mm -hmm. real fun to watch. Those are some of the great yeah. uh, kind of players that you got to coach and bring yeah. up. What are some of the players that have left that impact like you, like the Luna family? Uh, you know, it's it's fun. It was fun. You know, those those Luna boys, they were all at daycare at my wife's daycare. Um, <laughs> so so I've known them since they were little. Um, you, you, then I've, you think of the Luna family, you think of kids like Garrett Bailey, mm -hmm. um, Cody Fraunfelter. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you think I've got, I have 11 seniors that, that are leaving our program this year, which is huge. And, you know, we were picked to win the region and, and, and it just didn't go our way. We were hit by the injury bug, but you got kids like Brady Shook and, and, um, Mason Jones who, who were young when, when you were around Dylan. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, it's just, it's just kids and, and each and every one of them, they, they've touched, they've touched our lives in, in special ways. And, and they've, and they've taught me way more than I have probably ever taught them. All of them. Awesome. awesome. This is head coach this of, head coach of TGU, TGU football, football, Ben Wolensine. Ben, uh, ben uh, I didn't ben, really get really to really talk with you about, about your experience, experience with COVID. COVID. How okay. challenging How was that? that? Uh, <laughs> kind of coaching your football team and then uh, just it really like the most unprecedented thing that you kind of couldn't even foresee coming into a locker room. Right. You know, I mean, for a while there, you know, in the spring, we usually are raising money. So it's spring of 2020. Um, my daughter, Neely's a senior. They just got done playing basketball. Um, we go a spring break and then we don't go back to school the rest of the school year. Um, they are allowed to graduate, but we normally go to team camp in the summer at Valley City State. Uh, and we weren't able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really know until, say, July mid-July if it was going to be a thing and and even then you're like it's going to be day-to-day -day, um practice to practice uh you know we're going to have to really take some precautions and and you know our kids were good about um, masking up during school um they were good about doing that and um you know we told them that if 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 you're not feeling good stay home and I, we don't care if you have to stay home three four five days stay home and so that we can finish this thing the right way and um and on our own terms and, and not have to be shut down so you take a look at a team like st john that year they had a pretty nice outfit and uh they ended up forfeiting their their playoffs wow. because they got hit by it so so we were fortunate knock on wood um where we didn't have to forfeit any games but uh we did lose a couple you know we, we didn't lose a couple but i but, but i what i mean is we lost a couple of games on our schedule because of covid sure so uh, but no, you know, the COVID was definitely a whole different beast um, to deal with. And, and I'm glad that, you know, we didn't have much of an issue of it with it this year. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it was interesting. Right. Certainly. Yeah. And hopefully we're getting through it. Um, so let's talk your Huskers fandom background. Uh, you okay. had the heyday, right? Osborne, the five titles from 69 to, uh, you know, his final swan song as head coach, right? Um, but now it's been a little tougher times here in the 21st century and specifically the last 10 years. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I was a fan way back in the Mike Rozier era, right? I mean, I, I've been, I was little and I, I can remember Saturday afternoons, right? Watching Nebraska and, um, 
you know, I just kind of kept following it all the way up through. And, and one of the first years I was coaching, um, Coach Thorson and I went to a, a coaching clinic down in Far, Fargo. Coach Tom Osborne was, was, was the keynote speaker. And I went to Shields, when it, the Shields Sporting Goods store and bought a Huskers um, hat, a white one. I had to be white because I wanted Coach to, to sign it. Well, you know, I walked up to Coach Osborne and he's, he's, he's a pretty tall man. And, and um, I, was just, I was just shaking, right? And so I, so I asked, you know, Coach Osborne, would you please sign my hat? Oh, yeah. You know, he's a really soft-spoken gentleman. And, and um, you know, so that was, that was kind of fun getting to meet him. And, and uh, you know, as I, as I followed a lot, you know, followed the, the um, you know, the, the Bo Pelini era, uh, it, was, it was terrible when um, – when that guy Callahan, Callahan was awful. I thought that was a, that was a, that was not a good choice for them to, to, um, to follow. I believe he followed Osborne, if I'm not mistaken. No, Solich did. Solich, Solich did. And then it was Callahan. Anyway, Callahan was a, was not a good fit there, but uh, you know, Scott Frost, I can remember watching him as a player and thinking that he was a pretty special guy. Um, you know, he did things the right way. And, and um, you know, um, led by example. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot about just bashing this guy, right? He's, he's lost more games than Riley did and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But here's the deal. And you and I visited briefly about this last night where, you know, he's true to his word and he said to keep believing. And, and he said that the kids are right there and that they need to believe even in what they are doing. And he said that they do, you know, he, he took this job at Nebraska, came home. Right. Right. But at the same time finished at UCF and, and those guys at UCF knew, Hey man, coaches, we love coach so much. We're willing to let him go and do this. Right. He know he loves us enough to come back and coach us for this bowl game. And, and then we're going to let him go. And, and we wish him nothing but the best. And, you know, so they go out and they, I, I want to say they finished undefeated that year. UCF did. And, and then, um, you know, it takes some time to get his own guys in the system that, yeah. that fit his offense, fit his defense, you know, scheme wise. And, and, and then you get, you know, then it has to do with assistant coaches and, and coordinators. It all needs to, everything. I just use this as an example in my awards night speech last week that, um, in order for something special to happen, things have to line up perfectly. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's the same thing in, in, um, in college football or, or small town, North Dakota, nine man football, you know, things have to line up perfectly. And I think he's got him on the right track. People just believe in him. I mean, they, they were what they gave up 238 and they scored 238 this year, I want to say. And, and man, yeah, it, the record shows that they were a bad team, but I, I think that they're just fine. I think they'll be just fine next year. And exciting football, right? You gave some really good Big Ten teams kind of a scare in and out. I mean, Ohio yeah, State. I, yeah, Ohio State, uh, Iowa, right? Iowa was ranked number two for a short time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you have Purdue come in and knock you off and whatever, but it, I think that, I think that they're, they're on the right track. Right. So Frost, it's four years, and again, COVID threw a wrench into everyone's plans, I think, too. So you brought up Callahan, and but that's my question is like, 
it's been this kind of tug and pull between a short leash for a coach. And then all of a sudden it looks like Frost is getting a little bit of that longer leash. The classes have been there. And again, he's been in every game, but the record, there's been no bowl game. Uh, Right. You know, that has to hurt a little bit, but you still think coming ahead that he's got these guys going the right direction. And I'm a full believer in giving a college coach at least five years to, as you said, get his guys in there. Yeah. And you know, that, that bowl game is huge. And I know for the fans of Nebraska, right. It's a big thing. And, and for my 40th birthday, eight years ago, that ages me a little bit here, Dylan, but (laughs) eight years ago, my wife, Bree, she bought tickets for us to, to go to a game and in Memorial stadium in Lincoln. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that is something that I will never, ever forget. You have 90,000 plus people wearing red, you know, on a, on a windy day, cool, windy day playing Illinois. And it's just something that, you know, that they're a diehard fan base, man. Yes. I mean, it, they could be, they could be, three, they could be two and two and eight, or they could be 10 and oh, and you're still going to get 90,000 plus in that place. And they're going to be screaming their lungs out. Yeah, no, I would so. definitely, that's on a bucket list for me is to go there. I think that's one of the, coolest yeah, you have to, you have to. Uh, let's talk. Uh, we were chatting last night, crazy coaching carousel in college yeah. football right now. Unprecedented. Something else. Uh, something. What, what are your general thoughts? What have you made uh, of the coaching carousel? I think the shocking news from, of course, has been Lincoln Riley jumping ship and going to USC. Yeah, I, I that surprised me a little bit. Uh, so I think that I didn't see Lincoln Riley pulling the plug like he did. Um, you know, I talked about that last night where, you know, what about those kids? Man, he, he just recruited, he's just recruited all season long. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with these kids that you are sitting at home in, you know, Florida or California or Oklahoma or Nebraska or South Dakota, wherever he's recruited these kids from? Yep, I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. And bam, you get beaten in, in Bedlam and, and you're out. Right. You know, is it, are you scared of the SEC? Are you not happy in Oklahoma? More money. But I think it boils down to relationships. I, that's what, that's what torques me the wrong way with, with moves like that is that yeah. you, you try to build that bond with, with those kids and those, those kids that are 18 to 24 years old. And, and then what see that it's okay to bail on a guy, right? A hundred guys you're bailing on them. You know, I, I just, I just have a problem. I have a problem with that. You know um, you know, I think that, you know, Lane Kip, and I don't know if you follow him at all on Twitter, but, yes. but he was, he was, he was playing games down in Texas, whatever. And, and, you know, I just, I think he's, re- I think he's recruiting is what he's doing. I think he had some home visits yesterday. And so, so who knows if, if Lane Kiffin's going to stick around, uh, you know, I, I love his offense. My, we, we try to run the same kind of RPO stuff that, that yeah. he's running. And, and uh, so I enjoy watching Ole Miss. I, I, I think, He's an old gunslinger. So, so, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I just, I just, it's, I think that it's only just begun the, the carousel. I think that it's going to get wild before it gets leveled out. So. No kidding. No I mean, kidding. Kiffin's a guy Kiffin's that's, a guy looking, that's at, looking at maybe going to Miami, maybe going to LSU. LSU or State right. 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 Um, it's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, last yeah, thing last on that, it's a little bit more corporate where coaches are going to bigger and better jobs. You've got the transfer mm-hmm. portal where you, you do lack some of those ties that you said. What have you made of the transfer portal kind of just becoming the Wild West now all of a sudden? Yeah, it, you know, and I, I don't I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that, you know, 
if you're in a bad situation, you know, if as a kid, as a college football player, you know what, if you're in a bad situation, you, you know, you, you, you have personality issues. Um, maybe it's just not the right fit. Maybe the new coordinator came in and they're not running, right. they're not running spread things anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that the transfer portal can, can, can be a benefit to, to some teams. I think if they want to get, you know, if they're looking for a lineman, then the lineman's third, third string, say at Michigan, and he transfers out to, to central Michigan, man, he's a starter instantly. Right. You know, NDSU has done that a little bit. They've started to dabble in that transfer portal a little bit. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it can work out and it might not. You yeah, know, exactly. you, you take a look at a great example is, is Quincy Patterson, you know, transfers from Virginia Tech um, to the Bison. And now you've still got now right now you've got, you know, the kid that, that NDSU actually recruited start. Yeah. So it doesn't always work. Right. True. Um, head coach of TGU football, Ben Wollensey, an old friend and old colleague. Good to get you on the podcast. Uh, we'll get you out of here with this. What are your yep. thoughts on the college football playoff? It's been crazy. Uh, is Cincinnati going to get uh, the rude awakening, or do they finally deserve it this year? I think they deserve it. Um, I've been saying that on Twitter all year long. I think that Cincinnati deserves that spot. Um, they, they've done a nice enough job. I think that, that they're – that their coaching staff has done a nice job there. They've won some good games. Um, their record is indicative of, of belonging. And, um, you know, I, 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 would be, I would be stunned if they don't, put it that way. Yeah, a lot of things can happen with the Wild Cal, uh, Conference mm-hmm. Championship ahead, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Wollenzine, at Coach Wollenzine on Twitter. We'll tag him there as well for the podcast today. Uh, Coach, great to talk with you. Hope the t- yeah, same around. Uh, we've got a big signing day coming up, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and if you find t- if you land some tickets for Lincoln, let me know. I'll I'll drive down. We'll have to do that, of course. Yes, we'll take in Memorial Stadium. Uh, appreciate yeah. it, Ben. Thanks for the time. Hey, appreciate it, Dylan. Thanks a lot. You guys have a great rest of your day.